If you felt like God was telling you to not keep working at a typical job, but instead step out in faith and serve him, even if you have a wife and family, would you do it? Well, we'll talk to a man who did it and is still doing it next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. Steve, it's episode number 351, and uh, Steve is in the muscle cars, and I act like I am. Uh, you know what was in the old, you know what 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 had a 351, right? Uh, the uh, early 70s Mustangs, 351 Did, Windsor, 351 Clevelands. There you go. There you go. I had a, had a uh, my brother had a Mercury Montego that had a 351 Cleveland. And uh, it was a, it was a good engine. Yeah, yeah, but uh, not We're like the engine. getting into the big block soon. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, fa- th- thank you, folks, for being with us today. We have a guest on our uh, Church Solutions podcast. From time to time, we talk about tech things because we're really a tech company, but we also talk about ministry related things because, well, we're ministry oriented. We've been doing ministry with churches now for over twenty years. All of us on our team here have been involved in church work for a long time, longer than I want to admit. We were just talking about some of the people I knew back long before Paul was born. Uh, (laughs) But um, so our guest today is Paul Granger, and Paul is with an organization called Youth with a Mission, which is something I'm familiar with or was familiar with back in the old days. Uh, He's the president of New Vision Civic League. And uh, he uh, he really specializes, I guess, would you say, Paul, that you specialize in inner city ministry? That's been a large part of what I've been doing for almost two decades now. Wow. Yeah. wow. So you're not as young as you look. Hey, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. All right. All right. Uh, so, um, so, Paul, thanks for being our guest today. We do appreciate it. Yeah, I thought it would be good. Paul, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, well, you do have a podcast, right? What, what's the name? We'll just tell, well, what is your podcast right off the top that you have? Yeah. So the podcast I've been doing is Where Did You See God? I started it almost four years ago uh, after I felt like God was giving me an invitation to step into public transparency, which I didn't want to do. I didn't yeah. even want to do a podcast, right. but I felt like God was inviting me to create a space to process him. And it's been an amazing journey for the last four years, the conversations I've been able to have the privilege of being a part of and seeing how God works through those. So, so tell me more. I mean, public transparency, what, how do you define that? Yeah, what is that? Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, it, it came after I unexpectedly lost my job. And that followed a hard, hard three years in a work environment that was just very challenging, to, to put it simply. And when I lost the job, that followed a year of feeling like God was inviting me to trust him in the midst, to not expect that contentment would come when everything got better, but to trust that God could bring contentment even if everything got worse. And so I actually lost the job in a state of peace. Even though what was happening was wrong, there's this peace, but I was still processing a lot of hard questions. 
And so the public tra- public transparency piece was instead of this just being something going on in my head, I felt like I was saying, write this stuff down, record this stuff out, put it out there for other people. I didn't want to do it because where I was working was a local ministry with people that I not only was friends with and lived beside, but also went to church with. So if I put stuff out there, how would that be received? What about the people that I felt like didn't see me accurately? I'm putting myself at risk. And God was saying, well, do you want to honor me or protect yourself? And I'm like, that's a tough question. (laughs) Can I think about it for a moment? But I stepped into it. And it's been beautiful to see how when we are willing to step in these spaces of uh, transparency, of humility, of taking on risk because God invited us to what God can do, the abundantly more he can do than if I had just protected myself or just processed in my own head. Authenticity, another way to say that, or would you, that's a pretty popular thing uh, over the past few years is the more authentic you can be. Yeah. I think that is an important piece of it. And, and I think it's a good clarifier too, right? Cause there's a lot of people who are being publicly transparent that maybe should pull back a little bit, right? <laughs> like the, the goal isn't to just put all of your business out there. And so I think authenticity is part of it and not just being authentic at what you were saying, but authenticity in knowing why you're saying what you're saying, why you are putting things out there. Uh, because sometimes I think there could be other reasons. Like I want a spotlight on myself. Or I just want my issue for other people to rally around it. And when I did the public transparency, it was clear that God was inviting me not to do that so that my cause could be raised up. But because there were things that he wanted me to grow from, but also that he knew there were others that were processing through hard things that needed to not feel alone, that needed to be able to feel seen and heard. And that became a vehicle for it. So um, you mentioned... Uh, Youth with the Mission, more popularly referred to as YWAM, right? Mm-hmm. When I think of YWAM, my only, I know some people that were a part of it, and they, their their participation uh, sent them overseas as yeah. missionaries overseas. Tell us more about what YWAM. Phil, you can jump into what is what is YWAM? What's the what's the goal? What's the vision? Yeah. Um, how can people help it out or? educate us on YWAM. Yeah. So YWAM has been around for decades. There's this guy named Lauren Cunningham who felt like I was giving him an invitation. I believe it was back in the sixties. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Early sixties. <laughs> is he still alive? Do you know? He is still alive, still going strong, still going all over the world. I think he's basically visited almost every place you can visit in the world. Yeah. They have and, connections in the Tucson area, by the way, there uh, he's got his relatives uh, Leland, I can't remember mm-hmm. now. Leland Paris, they they actually started an Assembly of God church here in Tucson mm. years yeah. and years ago. But I'm sorry, go ahead, tell, tell us. Yeah. Well, so at one point when he was much younger, he felt like God had given this him this vision of waves and young people riding these waves, and right. and basically it was this idea of what it could look like for God's truth and God's love to kind of go like waves into all of the world. And so this prompted him to take a number of steps of faith into things that others would say was foolish or impossible because he just sensed these individual invitations from God. And what's resulted is there are YWAMs all over the world and serving in uniquely different ways, depending on where they are 
and yet still connected into this broader understanding, this idea of one big family of YWAMers that have this desire to know God and then make him known. And so here in Richmond, there's a location. It's actually in Virginia. We have now three locations that are uniquely connected while still serving in their individual ways, Richmond, Virginia Beach, and Lynchburg. And I work most directly with Richmond, but actually what I do is a lot of tech broadcasting, writing things that impacts all three locations. Um, and then I'm able to serve uh, in different ways within Richmond alongside what they're doing. Tell us about the tech side, tech broadcasting yeah. side, because I, I overlooked that in your bio and I'm sorry. Uh, oh, man. So tell us what it is and what you're doing. It's been a wild ride because it wasn't something that we were necessarily pursuing or even equipped for. And there's a much longer story. Uh, but it came, uh, Chris Zinchuk, who has been providing leadership for the three locations for a long time, felt like God had given him a number of invitations and visions around something that God wanted to do. And Chris has been over the course of man, maybe six, seven, eight years, been trying to figure out what is it that God's inviting in this, because he's just had little pieces here and there. But one of them was the sense that God was inviting him to step into this idea of broadcasting. And so what's interesting is the pandemic actually created a unique opportunity for us to jump into that in a much heftier way than when than we would have, because everything went virtual, right? Mm -hmm. And YWAM is known for having a strong value for in-person, to being together, to serving together as teams. And so virtual was a hard thing <laughs> for a lot of YWAMers because it's like, we can't be in person. How can we do right. this? And But because of this invitation got given, we... Uh, I mean, we jumped in and over the course of those two heftier years of the pandemic, did a number of things online, reaching multiple countries. But alongside that, we started stepping more and more into uh, how can we upgrade the equipment we're using, the cameras, the sound? How can we learn the skill sets? And then God started getting really <laughs> sneaky and inviting us into things that we had no business stepping into. The first was a little over a year ago. Uh, a one-day seminar by a guy named Fred Markert. And it was I know part Fred. of the, yeah, I know Fred so the really well. Well, I haven't seen him in decades. But, well, uh, and he was he had been off the grid for a bit for a number of reasons. He got a really bad case of COVID. And this actually led to this yeah. seminar because we realized uh, we really want him to have this space to communicate some of the things that God had been uh, yeah. showing him and that he had been processing. And so the Great Awakening Project hosted this one-day seminar at the Museum of the Bible. And we actually recorded that. We didn't have the team for that. We didn't have the equipment for that. We didn't have the knowledge for that, but we've sensed the invitation for that. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that I love about YWAM. Uh, so often they'll sense an invitation. They know they don't have the knowledge, the resources, any of the things. And yet they say, but here we are. So, all right, God. And God showed up. And there are people walking up thinking we are this professional broadcasting team because we had the cameras, we had the sound booth. We were all like looking like we knew what we were doing. Uh, and it was beautiful to see how God worked through that. And that was one of many of these moments, conferences, things like that, that we've found ourselves stepping into knowing like we really shouldn't be the ones doing this, but God's inviting us. And so now we're at a place where we actually just recorded a 12-week uh, discipleship Bible school for YWAM. Same deal. Didn't have the staffing, didn't have the knowledge base that we felt like we would need for it, but we stepped in. And so we're talking 120 hours of content 
that we're now in the post-production part of it, which is a whole other deal. Uh, but along the way, it's been beautiful to see how God can equip people when they're willing to step in, even if they feel like Gideon, like wholly unequipped to the least of these, because it's not about us or our capacity. It's about God's invitation. And what God does with that isn't about creating an amazing product. Sometimes that is the end result, but it's really often God's trying to do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. And are we willing to embrace that rather than like, we want to look good. So it's been a journey, a wild one and still going. So you mentioned earlier on that um, to know God and make God known. Is that kind of the underlying mm. piece of YWAM? So I can yeah. see that as a strategy. And then tactics through the years prior to COVID, I guess we're all pretty much in for, in, going to the communities and face-to-face. And and then you had this new opportunity to kind of change your your tactics, right? Is mm-hmm. how's, How has YWAM... Uh, leveraged that new technology or what's been going on since the, yeah. the initial fruits were or the initial pieces were were put together? Yeah, well, I feel like we've had a number of folks connected with YWAM that have seen what God's been doing through our broadcasting team and have gotten this sense of excitement and creativity because they're realizing this is not just a valuable outlet, but one that could help us to do what we feel like God's calling us to do in a more full way. And so we're starting to have a lot more people reach out to say, hey, uh, can you help us know how to do what you're doing? Hey, can you come and actually capture this event we're doing? Because we have people that can't attend, but we know that this would be valuable. Or can you stream it live for those? We actually, uh, there's an Eastern North American leadership gathering that YWAM does. And there are a number of people for various reasons that couldn't attend, but it was really important as leaders for them to be there. We were able to stream that. Uh, One person particularly actually was there in person and then got very sick. And they felt so encouraged and blessed by the fact that they didn't have to miss it. And so it's giving them this idea now of how can we actually leverage this thing that can sometimes seem like a negative thing, like virtual can have a negative connotation, right? There's a lot of conversation around you know, oh, the, the youth these days, they're just on their phones all the time. They're just on TV all the time. And so it could be seen as something negative. And we need to get people in person and out in the open. But how can we see what God can do through that rather than just the negative things? How can we utilize that? And I think more people are realizing there is a value to this medium. Uh, there is a value to this technology, particularly not just if you use it as a tactic, but if you kind of hold it loosely before God and said, hey, here, this is what we have to offer, what would you like to do from it? Because again, God is trying to do abundantly more than we could ask for imagine. So whatever we're asking and imagining is always going to be less than what he can do. And that's what we've seen personally is we wouldn't have chosen a lot of the things that we have found ourselves stepping into. And yet, man, the blessing that God has brought through that has been phenomenal to see. So people, uh, Tell us a little bit about, you know, you mentioned DTS, Discipleship Training School. I'm using all the, is it the acronym? <laughs> the acronym. DTS, SOE. You know, DTS, ELC. Yeah, uh, but but for somebody listening to this, and, you know, I know YWAM's been around for a long time, but yeah. so how can people... Uh, how could people get involved in YWAM? I mean, yeah. for, for most people back in my day, mm-hmm. back in the old days, the DTS was kind of the doorway to get in. So you guys need to 
explain your acronyms. I'm not a Y. Right. So DTS <laughs> is Discipleship Training School. Yeah, no, oh, it's okay. not that. Yeah, it's yeah. Dis- <laughs> Discipleship Training School. The okay. SOE is School of Evangelism. But but Paul, yeah. so is, is DTS, Discipleship tra- Training School, is that kind of the gateway to get into youth with, with a mission? If somebody's that listening, is, go, how do I, how do I, yeah. this sounds exciting. How do I get in youth with a mission? Yeah, that is a great entry point. Now there are softer ones, right? We have a number of folks that come in through something like mission builders or just come in to volunteer, you know, for anyone that has a, a YWAM location near them, oftentimes that is probably the easiest and simplest entry point. Hey, I have X amount of time to give for a month. Can I come and support you all? Um, and that's a beautiful way to get a feel for what YWAM is. That's actually what I did. My first three months, I was a volunteer. And that allowed me to get to know the YWAM location, get an idea of if this is a place that I would like to serve with long term. But if you really want to get fully in, if you, especially if you want to be on staff, the discipleship training school is a great way to do that. Because what it does is it's basically five to six months. And the first half of that is what they call the lecture phase. And over the course of that time, each week, there's a different theme. So one week might be uh, learning about the father heart of God, learning to hear from God, mm-hmm. learning what worship looks like. I mean, each DTS location has their flavor and, and feel for how they do it. But then the second half is outreach. You, you take what God has taught you in that time. And together as a team, you go out to a space and explore what it means to live that out. Uh, to and not just to know God in that spi- space, but to explore what it means to make God known. How can you do that in a way that honors the communities in which you're serving? Um, that's authentic. That's uh, meaningful. And then you come back and then you go wherever God's inviting you next. And so for a lot of people, what they end up doing is they continue on in some of these other YWAM schools. And I mean, if you can imagine it, there's probably a YWAM doing some school around it. There is a YWAM school that's focused on broadcasting, one that's fo- focused on dr- uh, drama, one that's focused on dance, one that's focused on evangelism, like all these things, ways that basically it's God's given us all these different gifts. And YWAM has found a way to say, this is a God-given gift. So how can we honor this and equip people to live into this in a, a more meaningful and full way? Yeah. Ever hear of moral government theology? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We won't go. I there. wouldn't be able to explain much about it. But... Well, I would, uh, but I'm not going to. Uh, so, uh, well, actually, let me jump well, in. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> um, I am familiar. I had a, a good friend of mine that went on staff for another organization that is kind of geared for the youth and outreach organization. And I'm, I'm just a newbie to a lot of this, but um, that would, it, in my day, it was called Campus Crusade. I guess it's now yeah, called Crew. Yeah. So how would you compare and contrast YWAM with Crew? And, and I know mm. with Crew, you went on staff there. I don't, I didn't remember any opportunities to volunteer, but go ahead. How would you compare yeah. and contrast Crew and YWAM? Well, I would say, you know, Crew has a hefty focus on campuses, you know, college campuses, things like that. And so that's the primary demographic and it's centralized with students. And when you come on staff, you know, I feel like there is a a hefty focus on walking alongside students, whereas YWAM uh, does have that demographic. In addition to there's a lot of folks that uh, come into YWAM as part of a gap year. Um, There's a lot of folks that maybe decided that college wasn't going to work for them or isn't going to work for them right now. 
And so you get a lot of young adults that are coming in that space, which creates a very different context uh, because there's something unique about what crew and our varsity others are facing with the college campus. It is a u- very unique environment. Mm-hmm. There's a specific culture around it. It's a very academic culture. And so how you engage with God, for example, um, not just with your timing, but even how you understand that is impacted by that space. And when you get somebody that is not <laughs> on a stringent academic schedule and have the freedom and capacity to do three months of lecture and then do three months in another country, uh, it offers offers a very different type of opportunity. And you get a lot of folks who then uh, just continue on with YWAM long-term for the rest of their lives. And you get some folks that will do that with crew, that they will go on staff and then they will continue on. And for some people it is like, that is their career. Um, and I think you see that with YWAM as well, that there are folks that have been with it for 20, 40, 60 years uh, yeah. and, and show no times of stopping. Yeah. Uh, you don't know Larry Allen, do you? I don't. Yeah. Okay. He, he was in Texas. I, I, YWAM has thousands of people, so I wouldn't expect you to know all the YWAMers. Yeah. Uh, so you are on staff at YWAM, correct? I am. But you're not getting paid by YWAM. No. So how do you, how do you survive? You've got a family. Yeah. What do you, you got two kids? Yeah. How, how many kids do you have? Three, three, three kids three. and a home and all kinds yeah. of expenses. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been doing ministry for almost two decades. So yeah. I've always had to ask that question of how am I going to survive? Because this is what we're kind of co- uh, raised to believe is the, you need money in order to pay for these things, to fill uh, put food in the mouths of your kids to pay your mortgage, to pay your bills. You you need money in order to do that. Yeah. And the only way you get money really predominantly is through a normal traditional job. Maybe you get lucky and get money from other sources, but that's the pri- predominant one. And so therefore, in order to live, you need a job. So when I lost my job, I was in this predicament because my human logic said, you better get a job quick. Because at the time, my wife was pregnant with our, with our third kid. So- yeah. You know, human thinking would say, I have to get a job as soon as possible. You know what God told me? I felt like God was telling me, do not operate out of financial fear. That I could do my due diligence, but not to make any decisions because I need money. Because what God was saying to me is, you don't need money. You need me as provider. Now, I may provide via money or I may provide in other ways. I haven't had a traditional paycheck in four years. And we have not lost our home. We have not gone without a meal. In fact, in a lot of ways... Uh, things that have been abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. And so when I made the decision to join YWAM, I actually had a few different job options on the table. And the decision to step towards YWAM was one where I knew for a fact it wasn't because I was going to get a big paycheck. It wasn't because I was going to have a respectable job because, you know, (laughs) living off support, a lot of people look down on that, especially if you're close to 40. It's like, ah. But I knew that making this step would be because I was stepping towards God, uh, not stepping towards YWAM, not stepping, stepping towards God and stepping towards God as provider. And I'd had enough already happen in my life that I had evidence that God was provider. And when I stepped in, God continued to affirm that and confirm that. And so, you know, I, I, I have a number of people that are supporting me, but that invitation to not operate out of financial fears continued. I felt like I was giving me a clear sense of not, writing an update email that says, if you don't give me a thousand dollars, my family's going to starve. Like there is a point where God made it very clear, just invite people to walk with you, whether they give money or not. Because again, it's not about the money. 
And like I said, ever since then, God has shown up as provider, sometimes in clear ways, sometimes in ways I can't explain. And I was seeing your, your wife joined you with YWAM. Yes. So, and there's a whole long story around that as well. Uh, and an unexpected one, but my wife, it was one thing for me to take a, a role that didn't pay. It was another thing when my wife felt like God was inviting her to leave her job so that we as a family could do a DTS together. And so she actually went two years without pay. So we, our family was without a traditional paycheck for two years. And that included one of those years was the first year of the pandemic. And again, God provided, and she actually felt an invitation a little over a year ago to uh, join the staff of this new um, Christian uh, school that was starting up close to us called Imago Day Neighborhood School. And she had longed to get back into teaching. And if there was anywhere that she could teach, like this is, this is the place because they were seeking God two years before it started, if not more. And everything that they've been doing, they've been trying to figure out how can we love God and love others through this. And so she did, just started her second year teaching there uh, and, and she loves it. Um, but yeah, it's given us a very different rhythm in our lives, but we still recognize that this is a part of our family seeking God together, even if it looks different than it did last year or the year before or five years from now. Right. Yeah, good, good. So uh, for people listening out there saying, well, this is interesting. I'm curious about YOM. What, uh, uh, probably the best thing to do is go to your website, right? Would that be a good way for you if people wanted to reach out to you to maybe yeah. communicate a little bit about that? And your website is wheredidyouseegod.com. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That's right. Where did yep. you see God? Uh, now, how did you, we only have about a minute, but how did you come up with that? <laughs> Yeah, the short version of the story is I was working with the ministry back back in 2006, and the executive director had all of us staff, I was an intern making basically no money at the time, had us at a table and asked us that question, where did you see God? And I did not have an answer. I mean, here I am, a Christian all my life, went to a, a Christian college, was in ministry, and I couldn't answer the simple question of where did I see God that day? And I was convicted because if I believe that God is present and active, I should be able to answer that softball question. And so what I realized is if we're just looking for God retroactively, we're going to miss him so often. But if we can step into the day actually actively looking for God, it says seek and you will find. God's not trying to hide from us. We're going to actually see things that we wouldn't have seen otherwise, hear things that we wouldn't have heard otherwise. And so that's been the heart of how I've tried to live my life imperfectly most of the time and been the heart around the podcast and the website and things I've written is how can I develop this attitude and culture that God is present and active, good and powerful. How can I look for him today and whatever is happening? Good. That's good stuff. Where did you see God.com? That's the website. If you want to uh, communicate with Paul Granger, maybe learn a little more about him and YWAM and his family. And then uh, again, we mentioned this at the top of the podcast. What is the name of your podcast? It is. Where did you see God? Well, the same one. Okay, same thing. All right. See, I, I'm, yep. I've, I've had too much sun. I, I don't know where I'm at. Where am I? It what simple. day is this? Who am I speaking to? All, All right. right. So Where Did You See God? It's a podcast, and you can see, you can go to wheredidyouseegod.com to learn more about that. Well, good. Well, this is interesting. This brings back some very fond memories for me, yeah. uh, being with Youth with a Mission, uh, and, uh, you know, knowing some of those people you mentioned. So, uh, so when I'll interview you, Phil, here a little bit. When were you with you to, with the mission? It was 1982 is when I started. I was with them for two years. I actually went through the discipleship training school, went through the SOE, 
And then I went through School of the Bible, which was at that time connected to University of the Nations. Mm -hmm. YWAM has, and and I'm Paul, I'm assuming this is still valid. The University of the Nations, the main campus is in Hawaii, right? Yes. Still there. In Kona. Uh, And I never went there. I should have gone there, but I didn't. I didn't for (laughs) several reasons. I had property here and I didn't want to go there. That's actually where we ended up doing our DTS, which was not what I would have chosen and not anything we could have come close to affording. And so that was when I mentioned God had done abundantly more. That's one of those examples is. Hey, we have no traditional paycheck and we lived in Hawaii for three months. Yeah, okay, yeah, God, yeah, not you're, bad. you're doing abundantly more. <laughs> yeah. But I think, uh, but, but again, you don't have to go to Hawaii to, right. I mean, it's nice if you could, I guess, to be a part of YWAM, but there's, there's, as, as Paul alluded to earlier, uh, there's youth with a mission bases all over the United States, Mexico, yeah. South America. I mean, all over the world, all over the world, over. literally. Um, and I wanted to go to, I knew the director of the New Zealand base and I never got mm-hmm. there. I would like, would like to go there, but I'm sure yeah. all that's changed, but, um, uh, it's, it was just really a, a good time for, for me. And, uh, really was a growing time. I got to meet a guy by the name of Gordon Olson, who, uh, Paul, you may not know, but, uh, yeah. he's dead now. He's been around for years, but there's, you know, I, I met Lauren Cunningham and I knew Paris and all those guys and, um, yeah. So uh, there's a whole list of names that I could go yeah. over. I could drop some names, but most people would have no clue who they are. And to be yeah. honest with you, I can't even remember some of them now. So yeah, it's just been it. But it was always a good experience. All right. So Paul Granger has been our guest. Paul, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time today with us. My pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, well, good. It's exciting to hear what's going on in your life. And uh, maybe we can sneak on your podcast one of these days and uh, absolutely you know, do some things to upset the apple cart or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, we're good at that stuff. All right. And Steve Lacey, thank you for your input as always. Hey, it's great being here. And folks, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today on the Church Solutions Podcast. Uh, you know, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. And give us a rating, if you would be so kind. We'd love to get some input from you as well. If you uh, missed all that contact information and you don't want to back things up, you can always reach out to us, support at streamingchurch.tv. That's one of our domains. One of the things we do is streaming video. And we'd love to hear from you. So with that in mind, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time again. Thank you. And folks, uh, thank you. Please take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll catch you again next time on another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast.